Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right in to today's message. So I know Pastor B is going to preach a part two. Um, actually, it will be a part three because I stole part two from him. Um, when he left us with those five uh, scripture verses at the end of the last message, and I asked him, uh, he, I either asked him or he told me that he wasn't going to elaborate um, on those five scripture verses too much in what was supposed to be part two. But since I stole part two, I'm assuming it's going to be called part three now, but I wanted to elaborate on those five scriptures because there's some anchor stories in the Bible that I've held on to my whole life and and having the unique calling um, of being a law enforcement officer, now a little bit different in the setting of a school resource officer, but throughout my years um, on patrol and in SWAT specifically, um, there's some junk that happens in Levy County. (laughs) It don't make the news. But if I just told you some stories of some of the situations and things that we've been in um, as a team, it'd blow your mind because I grew up here in this county and and thought that, and it is, don't don't take this the wrong way, it is a great county, but I thought that nothing happened here. You know, I thought everything was good in Levy County, everything bad happens everywhere else, and where I live is perfect. And then I got into the role that I have been in in the last 10 years or so, and I realized, wow, wow, wow at the stuff that goes on here um, that not many people get to hear about or get to know. So I'm going to share with you each one of those scripture verses that he gave us at the end and, and what it means along with a story in the Bible that we all can hold on to as we walk the journey of our life and, and through the trials and through the tribulations, things that, that we can hold on to and say, well, God, if you did it for them, you'll do it for me because you're not a respecter of persons and you love us all the same. So if you did it, if you did it for those people, then you, you got me too, right? Amen, amen. amen. Let's start off with uh, number one was God's with us. And that, that scripture verse was Joshua 1, 9. Um, before I read, I just want to encourage you, I, I tear the Bible apart when I, when I get the opportunity to speak. And I'm going to throw a lot of scripture verses your way uh, for things that you can go back and review. I, I know they're not on the screen. I'll give them to you and give you time. Um, so... Get your, get your pencil hot, um, and, I'll give them, and I'll give them to you, and I'll try to pause in the moments where I know you guys are writing. But Joshua 1.9 was something that Pastor B gave to us um, that referenced God being with us. And that verse says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And the story that I want to share with you guys is one of my, these are all my favorites, but this is probably my second favorite, uh, I'll save my best for last today, um, the story of Joseph, and you can find that in Genesis thirty-seven fifty, I believe is where that starts, or, may, or maybe I meant chapters 37 through 50, one, one of those, um, but it's the story of Joseph, and I know many of you are familiar with this, and, and this, I'm not going to read every, everything to you guys, but just bear with me, let me give you my version of it, and I'll, I'll keep it as accurate as possible um, with all the bullets that I have here. Um, I don't know how many of you are fans of uh, the old Western movies, the old gunfights. That's kind of how today's going to be. I got a lot of bullets for you, but it's going to go through quickly. 
Oh, White Earp and all those good movies. That's, that's what I grew up on. That's what Davy Hires watched at the house. So be an old Western right here. So for those of you who know, Joseph was born in the, in the later age of his father. So he was recognized and he was, uh, he was held to a, he was put up on a pedestal because he was born in his father's later age. He was actually given um, a specially crafted garment because he was born at such a later age um, of his father. So this, this made his brothers jealous of him. And I won't get into the sibling thing, but that kind of stuff happens. And it worsened when Joseph told them of the dreams that God had showed him. There was actually two different dreams, and both of them basically uh, portrayed to Joseph and showed Joseph that one day his brothers would be under him. They would, they would bow to him, so to speak, or, or they would, he would be lifted up into a place where they would be under him. So this, this invigorated that jealousy to the point that they sold him into slavery. They got the opportunity, pulled him away, and was able to sell Joseph into slavery and fake that he had been attacked by a wild animal and killed to their parents. So with that, I want to say this. I'm going to step away from the story for just a second. Be careful what you tell people. And I've said that up here before, but everything that God shows you and everything that God has for your life is not for everybody's knowledge. Amen? So be careful, be careful with that. Not saying that it would have changed anything um, with Joseph had he not told them but just be careful what you tell people because sometimes you, you tell people that you're going to be an RN and you're going to go to nursing school and, and even your own family doubts you or tries to put that, that seed of doubt in you. Well, well nursing school is really hard. Are you, are you sure about this? I'm talking, to, talking about my wife right now. So even though he sold into slavery, God's favor followed him. It didn't, it didn't matter that he was in slavery. He found favor um, with one of the, I think it was one of King Pharaoh's right-hand men. Um, his name was Potiphar. He was one of King Pharaoh's ministers. I'm sorry, it just came to me. So he, he found favor with Potiphar and was actually um, the person that was over Potiphar's entire estate. But Potiphar's wife was interested in Joseph because the Bible says Joseph was a handsome man. So Joseph had to flee from her and run outside because she literally pulled his cloak off trying to be intimate with Joseph. And Joseph does the right thing and runs out. But Potiphar's wife flips it and said that Joseph tried to come on to her. So this ends up placing Joseph in prison. Mm. Did nothing wrong but found himself in prison. That's got to be a tough tough, tough situation. So while he's in prison, one of the king's bakers and one of his cupbearers finds themselves in prison as well. And Joseph ends up translating a dream for them accurately. And it basically was that the cupbearer, I believe, would be released and would be restored to his, his position, but that the baker was going to be killed. And, and these, those things come to pass and several years pass and the king, King Pharaoh, has a dream, and none of, none of the king's advisors could interpret this dream. And little do you, what do you think? Joseph has been sitting in prison this whole time, and the cupbearer says, I know someone who may be able to translate your dream, king. So they go and pull Joseph out of prison and bring him to the king, and Joseph 
accurately interprets the king's dream and says, we're going to experience seven years of famine before there's a time of seven years of great wealth. So he immediately finds favor with the king, and he was so impressed with Joseph, Joseph's wisdom that he appoints Joseph as his viscery, which is second only to the king, and tasks him with preparing the nation for the seven years of famine. Now, why does this story translate so well to Bradley's point number one of God's with us in, Joseph one, in, in Joshua 1.9? Four times in this story, the scriptures read, God was with Joseph in prison, in slavery. He did the right thing, found himself in prison. And I was talking to Miss Becky before the service. And one thing that we can always carry with us is anything that the, that the devil means for evil, God will always flip it for our good. He will flip it for our benefit. And there's nothing that he can do about it. But I have written in my notes here, have you ever been mad at God? Have you ever been mad at God for something? If anybody that I can think of, Joseph was in prison and did no wrong. And he spent, from what I can tell, a significant amount of, of time in prison, but was completely innocent. And I just think about my life and, and how I went to the police academy and, you know, I had this vision of how everything was going to happen and I was going to go straight to the road and straight to being a deputy. And that's not the vision that God had for me because his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher and I got, I got placed into dispatch for almost three years. And it was good because I was learning it. It was new. It was high pace. It was fast. And, and I enjoyed it. But there came a time, you know, about two years into it. And I think I got transferred to the road just shy of three years. So there for about eight or ten months, I was really questioning and having a difficult time with being in dispatch when I knew I was supposed to be out on patrol. But his ways are higher. Your journey is not always going to look exactly like you think it is, but we've got to trust God that no matter what we go through, like Joseph did, that his plan is perfect for us. Amen, amen. Number two was God protects us. And he gave, Bradley gave us 1 Thessalonians 3, 3. And I, without his permission, I extended it out 3 through 5. And I'm going to read it to you here. Not, not the troubles, uh oh, hold on. Not that the troubles should come as any surprise to you. You've always known that we're in for this kind of thing. This is Paul speaking. It's part of our calling. When we were with you, we made it quite clear that there was trouble ahead. And now that it's happened, you know what it's like. That's why I couldn't quit worrying. I had to know for myself how you were doing in the faith. I didn't want the tempter getting to you and tearing down everything we had built up together. God protects us. And my story for this is the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And from now on, I'm just going to call them the brothers, okay? Because that's, that's a mouthful. You can find this story, um, if you want to go read it yourself, in Daniel chapter 3, and it's verses 16 through 28. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. It's uh, very straightforward. So I'm going to start in verse 16. The brothers replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. 
But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. These guys were faithful to Christ to their death, or what was supposed to be their death. When, when is the last time you told God, even if you don't do anything else for me, I'm going to be faithful to you? If there's, if there's a pat on my back that I can give myself, it was when my wife and I first met, and we had taken a trip down to Daytona um, to do something for my mother, and, and I told her on the way back because we were starting to get serious, and, and I could tell there were, there were serious feelings there, and I just told her, I said, what God has done to me, what God has done for me and, and to me to this point, if he never does anything else to, for me or to me, I'll give to him for the rest of my life. And I've, and I've never fell away from that. And, and I think about that sometimes. And I remind myself of that statement that I made to her when I get angry or I get impatient with God is, you've done enough for me to this point that if you don't do anything else for me for the rest of my life, I will serve you faithfully and I will give to you faithfully. Because what Jesus did for us on the cross is worth our faithfulness for a lifetime if he doesn't do anything else for us. But the good news is he will. He will. He will continue. So King Nebuchadnezzar was furious at this. So he orders for the furnace to be heated up seven times hotter than what it usually was. He orders his strongest soldiers to go and bound the three brothers up and throw them in this furnace. I don't know how this furnace was set up, but the Bible says that the fire was so hot that when they went to throw the brothers into the fire, it killed the soldiers. It was so hot. That's profound. That's profound. So as the soldiers, yep, I already read that. So they, they go down into the furnace or however that was set up, walk into it. Well, there's people watching. The government officials are watching. King Nebuchadnezzar's watching. And he says, hey, didn't we throw those three men down into that furnace? I see four people and those three guys are not bound anymore and they don't appear to be in any kind of pain. They're walking around down there as if they're just fine and they're having a good time. But now there's an extra person involved in this midst. Amen. Amen. They said, certainly your majesty, we did put them in there. So Nebuchadnezzar approaches the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouts to them by name, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. So they did, and they come out of the fire. And verse 27 says, and the, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair, a single hair on their head singed. Nor did their robes appear to be scorched, and they did not even smell of fire. That's power. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other God except their own. Stay faithful to God and he will protect you. And I added this out of that story. And in due time, even your enemies will see who you served. And like I said, from the unique aspect of patrol, I've always relied on that story when we've went into some stuff and said, if you, could, if you can keep them from dying, you can keep me from dying because I want to go home when this is over. I remember the very first time I put the green on was when the shootings happened at the Crab Festival. That was the first detail that I worked. First detail. And we're standing there and you hear multiple shots ring out. 
and everybody else is running away from those noises and all the guys in green were running to those noises and I thought to myself, Lord, I need you to keep me alive. Number three, yes, he did. Number three, God will never leave you. God will never leave you. And Pastor B gave us Joshua 1.5 and it says, all your life, no one will be able to hold out against you. In the same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I will not give up on you and I will not leave you. Amen. And the story that I have in this one is a pretty short one, but it's very, very powerful. It's found in Acts chapter 6 and 7. And it's the story of Stephen. If any of you are familiar with the story of Stephen, this one's not quite as big um, and as popularly known. But it's, it, it, once again, it struck me in my unique position of, of being a law enforcement officer and, and things that we're exposed to. And basically, the Bible says that, that Stephen was a man of God and he was mighty in the scriptures which tells me he was very knowledgeable as it pertained to God's word and God's ways. Speaking of that, I love these stories and I love, I love all these scriptures because if we don't know who we serve and we don't understand why he does what he does, then it's hard for us to be effective out there with other people. Amen. We have to understand what his expectations of us is and what we, are, what we have an obligation to do for people out there. Despite whether, what position they're in. I, I've told this story before and I won't get into it, but I'll just give you the basics. I almost shot a man. I've almost shot multiple. But in this, in this one particular instant, I almost killed a guy because he had a gun. <clears throat> and it was either he was going to listen and, and put it down or I was going to shoot him. And before we could get to the medical facility, um, he was placed under a Baker Act. We were praying together. So I went from one extreme of, of pulling the slack out of my trigger to kill this man to now I'm praying with this man. And it just shows that no matter what it looks like, God has a plan and a purpose. And people that you come into contact with out there, whether it be friends or coworkers or, or whoever it is, I mean, I had authority over him at that moment, but that, that may not be the situation with you, but God has a plan and he wants you to make a difference in somebody's life. Amen. Amen. So he was a, he was a mighty man in the scriptures in, in, in Acts 610, it says, and they were not able to resist the wisdom in the spirit by which he spoke. So in this story, Stephen finds himself in a trial uh, for his life because he had upset the Jewish Sanhedrin um, by his teachings and they had brought him to trial. And the end of this story, uh, he actually ends up laying his life down um, they end up stoning Stephen because he was accused of blasphemy due to his teachings. So <clears throat> in his speech before the Jewish Sanhedrin, Stephen accused those Jewish leaders of rejecting God's ways just as their forefathers had. Now check out what happens next. So of course, God knew what was going to happen to Stephen, but he gives Stephen a boldness by encouraging him. It says God allowed Stephen to see a vision of heaven, the glory of God and Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God. See, he knows that we're inspired by what we see. So he, he allowed Stephen to see at that moment where he was getting ready to go to and the glory that he was getting ready to experience. So he was allowed to see in, in a vision the glory of God. 
And it ultimately led to the stoning, to his own stoning. But God never left Stephen in his greatest need. And, he, and he'll never leave us. And he knows exactly what we need and when we need it and how we need it. And Stephen was able to be bold during that trial and, and stood for what was right and for what was wrong. And, and that's why I use this story in, in my unique position of wearing the uniform is we're exposed out there to a lot of wrong. And there comes a time where you got to understand, of course they don't like us because we wear the uniform, certain people don't, but they didn't like Jesus either. Everybody didn't like Jesus, and they're not going to like you. They're not going to like me because of what we carry, and that's okay. And, and the sooner that we can be okay with that, the more effective we can be. Because at the end of the day, we got to stand up for what's right. And we've got to push aside what's wrong, whether they like it or they don't. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that you've got to open their mouth and shove this thing in there and kick their mouth shut. I'm not saying that you got to be that way, but there's a way that you can go about it and be graceful with it and be, and be in a loving way and let people see Christ through you because they're watching. We look different. We talk different. We act different. Hopefully we react different. And they're looking at, at the way that we behave. And if they see that throughout the course of time, you don't have to say nothing about this. They don't have to say, you don't have to say anything. Just live it. And that's, that's what this right here is about. That's what these eggs are about. You don't have to preach to people. We can just go out there to Strickland Park and put love on them, and they're going to see Christ because Christ is love. It's simple. Number four, God's fighting for us. Bradley gave us Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 22. And it says, do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. And I pulled the story of Jehoshaphat. And that's in 2 Chronicles. And it, and it talks about this story, chapter 17, 17 through 20. So Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. And he loves and he's obedient towards, towards God Several armies had, had formed uh, from different countries and were planning to overthrow Judah. So what does he do? Instead of running around and trying to form up the best army that he can, he runs straight to God. He runs straight to God. And it says, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 6, he prays, O oh Lord, God of, your God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? So number one, he explains the situation to God. And I, and I find that very, very important because even, I don't do the social media thing, but I know what goes on there. And even for me sometimes when I'm upset, Instead of taking it to God first, I want to call my friends. Or even Sarah, I want to call her and, and vent to her about it before I take it to the one that's in control. Who allowed it to happen to me anyways, because there's nothing that happens to us without his permission. If, if you're going through something, he allowed it, and it's for a purpose. 
But it's profound that he took it to God first. He's, his, whole, his whole country is getting ready. Judah's getting ready to be overthrown by multiple armed forces. And instead of running out in a panic, he goes to God first and says, all the power is in your hand. That's powerful. He continues in verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And God answers the prayer of his people, and he says, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but mine. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Power. Did you catch that? He told them to stand still. Don't do anything. Because what he'd done already was enough. He went to God, and he put it in God's hands, and he says, I need you to take care of this for me because there's nothing we can do to win this if you don't, if you don't intervene. That's powerful. Because I know, I know me, and, I'm, and I may be speaking for some of you out there, I'm quick to say, hey, bro, I got this. Just let me handle this. And set him off to the side and try to handle it in my own power and in my own might. Because I don't know how many of you are here when me and Sarah spoke, but I told you, I haven't been perfect in our marriage. And you would think building your own house, having beautiful children, working in law enforcement, being very blessed in our lives, having everything under control. He's a perfect gentleman and he will allow you to steer that thing of your life and go exactly where you want to go. And he won't interfere until you ask. And if you're not careful, you'll wreck that thing because I got this, God, I got this. Be careful. That's dangerous ground. So at the end of the story, the different armies begin to fight one another rather than making a unified force against Judah, and they ended up fighting and killing one another. The only action on Judah's side was praying, fasting, and praising God. That sounds pretty simple in war, right? Sounds pretty simple. Number five, God's providing for us. Pastor B gave us uh, Luke 12, I believe it was 12 through 31. I think I copied that right. If anybody's got their notes from last week and want to correct me. But I think it's Luke 12, 12 through 31, and it went along with God's our provider. A uh, little, little bit of scripture here. I'm going to read it really quickly. Uh, verse 13, it's, a, it's the parable of the rich fool. So someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Verse 16 continues, and he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all of these crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, 
this very night of your life, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. That's, and that, I love doing tithes, and that's kind of been my thing because I've, I've been given to God faithfully since right after the time that I got saved, and I've seen everything that he's done and, and how much he's done for my family. And go read Malachi and just read that part so you can develop that courage to trust God because there's blessings out there. He, own, he owns it all. He owns it all. I didn't come up here to talk about tithing, but he owns it all, and he'll bless you. So then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or how your body or about your body, what you will wear for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn yet. God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need, knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. That was, the, that was all the scriptures that Bradley gave us about God being our provider. And the story that I pulled off of that is, is my personal favorite, and I've preached on this story several times. And that's the story of Peter and his disciples fishing. I don't know how familiar you are with, with the synoptic gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But John is my personal favorite because he's like me. He's very detail-oriented. These men all witnessed the same thing, which is why a lot of the stories are recounted in each book. But John actually has more stories in, in his gospel than the rest of them which is why I love this one so much because I don't think this, this portion of the story about Peter and his disciples are in any of the other three. Um, it's been a while since I've read all four of them from front to back, but I don't believe this story is in any of them except John. So let me paint this picture for you. So Jesus has been arrested, and he's not with his disciples. Jesus had just told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, that ain't going to happen. But then it does happen. And Peter does deny Jesus three times. So knowing Peter and, and understanding Peter's character throughout the Bible, I just imagine to myself that Peter probably carried this weight very heavily. I mean, I can only imagine getting told by Jesus himself, you're going to deny me three times, and you say, not going to happen. And then you turn around and do it. The guilt that that would put on you as a person having just done this to him. Peter would remember Peter was the one that cut the man's ear off. Like Peter was for real about Jesus. He was for real. So on top of that failure, Jesus is gone. He, he's not with them anymore and they don't know what to do. So as fishermen, remember Peter owned multiple boats, professional fishing company, like Peter knew how to fish. He told his boys, he says, I'm going fishing. Because when you hit hard times, our natural instinct is to go back to what we do well and what we know. Right? So with that being said, because all the disciples responded, we're going with you. Be careful because you're a leader and people will follow you and they'll also follow you. 
Be careful. And it goes back to doing things in our own power again. The illustration that I told you about building a house and keep your priorities straight. Keep your priorities straight and keep them first so you don't wreck it. So they went out and they got into the boat and they fished all night. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And the Bible says when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the number of fish that they caught. At this time, Peter realizes this person is the Lord. And he jumps into the water and he swims towards him. I'm going to divert away from that story from being a provider for just a second because this part right here gutted me this morning. And Paul looked over at me and called me out in front of all y'all while I was teared up. This is the part that I want you to hear. I love this part in John because, like I said, it's the only one out of the four Gospels. He took Peter back to the beginning. Despite what Peter had done, he took Peter back to the beginning because if you remember in the beginning, he said, throw your nets out and they hauled in a lot of fish. And he said, now come with me and I'll make you fishers of men. So he took Peter back to the beginning and they had fished all night and not caught a single fish. And this is a professional, this is a professional fisherman that we're talking about. Had not caught a single fish, had no fish in the boat. So he takes him back to the beginning and he says to him, Peter, And I just replaced this this morning, and this is why it gutted me. I called you, and despite everything, you're still called. And he renews, he reinstates Peter at that very moment. Even though Peter had denied him three times. And I'm here to tell you this morning that this ain't part of the providership part of that scripture. But no matter what you've gone through, or what you're going through, or what you've done, God will reinstate you right now. All you got to do is say, I'm sorry. That's it. As soon as Peter pulled his clothes off and jumped into the water and swam to Jesus, he was reinstated like that, even though he had denied Christ three times. Three times. God said, you've got an important role in this, and I need you. And that's what he's saying to somebody in here today. Because when I got to that part, it had nothing to do. But I've preached on that story before and was hitting on this. And God said, somebody in the house needs to hear that this morning. Needs to hear that no matter what they've done, you still have a calling. you still got a job to do. Let that stuff go and take a step forward. So then when Peter pulls back, feels pulled back into his his old familiar lifestyle, Jesus shows up and reminds the fishermen of who he is and who Peter has become. And the last part I want to touch on before I get back to the providership part is when we try to go back because I felt myself try to do that at times and try to go back to what I used to do when I've hit hard roads in my life, it ain't the same. Even though Peter was a professional fisherman and that was once his calling, now that his calling had changed, he no longer had favor in that area anymore. So be careful because just because you go back to what you were once good at doesn't mean you're going to be good at it this time around because God's got something new for you. And that's where your attention is supposed to be and that's where your effort And your focus is supposed to be not going back to where you once were. Amen, amen. So that whole story, though, was to go back and talk about the providership role of it. 
as soon as Peter listened to Christ, God provided. It talks about it being, their nets being so heavy that they couldn't even, even pull the fish up. There were so many fish in their nets. So God will be your provider as long as you put him first. You'll have more blessings than, than you can hold on to. So in closing this morning, and I'm going to let Brother Paul come up. I think I've given these scriptures out probably over half the time that I've, that I've spoken. Because to me, they're just so profound. And, and one is Romans seven eighteen, And Paul says, nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. Nothing good. Nothing good in our flesh. But in John 15, 5, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. That tells you something. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Not one thing. So this morning, I'm going to leave and, and let Brother Paul speak a word of prayer over you. But I just, if any of that stuff resonated in your soul or it touched you emotionally, the fact that God is with us, he protects us. He fights for us. He doesn't leave us. And he most certainly will provide for us. If any of that touched you, I want you to stand for the blessing uh, that Brother Paul is going to bring for us this morning. And I appreciate you guys for showing up. And it was not an accident that you were here. And I pray that you got something out of this message. Love you guys. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. For more content from Release City or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you. And until next time, the best is yet to come.